Hey, we're doing a series this month called Compartmentalized Life. Where do I allow God to start and stop in my life? Um, because I think people compartmentalize life all the time. I put like my salad on one end of the plate, my hot food on the other, because no one likes hot salad, except we went out for Natalie's birthday, and they put the hot stuff on the salad, and it was good. So maybe I'm doing everything wrong, and I need to uncompartmentalize that. You know, maybe uh, you have your work clothes, and then your non-work clothes. Maybe you have, you've compartmentalized, this is my work life, my home life, um, my church life. Life, my vacation life, hashtag best life ever, um, best life now. Um, or uh, maybe it is like you compartmentalize people as well, right? These are my work friends, my church friends, uh, my friend friends. Don't tell me if I fit in one of the other categories than your friend friends. That hurts. Um, but I think when it comes to God, too, is that we can compartmentalize um, God in areas of our life to agree as well. Uh, sometimes consciously or subconsciously, we can separate areas of God from our life. Like, God, you can go here, but don't go over here. Or, God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Give my soul. And then you, but not over here. Um, that, that's a, a 90s worship song for you all. Um, God, you can go here, invade my life in this area, but don't go here. And uh, why does this matter? Because I believe the areas that you allow God to touch in your life, uh, you allow his life, his power to flow, and for his spirit to be. You know, in the message in 2 Corinthians 6, it says this. It says, uh, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Uh, that's Paul writing to the church, and I believe he's writing to us as well, is that we can at times compartmentalize our life and live it in a smaller way than God has. So last week we talked about one area that we can compartmentalize our life, and that is in our thoughts and perceptions uh, that don't line up with uh, who God is, his character, and what he is. So we perceive what God wants, what God can use, what, what areas of life God could actually touch. Um, I shared about how at one time I, I perceived that, you know what, God wanted me, because I need to operate in faith, that God wanted me to be like perfect with nothing wrong before I could come to him. But then once I got into his word, I saw, you know what, I can actually come boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need. And then we talked about how do you get rid of those, those thoughts or perceptions. You can listen to that online uh, at thrivecalgary.ca. Like that right there, little plug. Um, but if you're taking notes today, the title of, uh, of the message is Take Backs. Take Backs. Now, something I really enjoy doing is yard work and gardening. I know, really manly. But I enjoy doing that. I enjoy mowing the lawn. I don't know. It's like therapeutic. I enjoy gardening. I had a garden. It was great. And um, 
And there was actually, in front of our house, there was this really old, massive, like, this huge juniper um, that was probably 30 years old, and it was probably not taken care of since it was planted. So it was ugly, it was old, and we decided, okay, we're ripping this out. I ripped it out with my bare hands, whatever. My wife's gone taking care of my son, so I can't even impress her by that. But anyways, but I ripped it out with my bare hands, and, and then we decided we're going to make a flower bed. So we prepared the ground, we put the, you know, the nice dirt in, and everything like that, and then we went shopping for perennials, another very masculine thing to do, perennials. So we're going down, we're shopping, we're getting perennials. I'm like, ooh, I really like this one, it's purple. And uh, anyways, we buy these perennials, we put them in, in, the, in, the ba- in the cart, and we bring them home, and we determine, okay, we're going to divide and conquer, and you'll have this side of the, the bed, and I'll have this side of the bed, and we'll just plant them. Now, in my mind, I have how I want it to look, how I'm like, okay, because I read all the tags, okay, these ones need this much of space between each one, like, who does that? But I do, and I do, apparently, Natalie knows. And so, we just go, she, I give her, she takes this half of the plants, I take this half of the plants, and, and I'm digging my hole. I'm putting the first one in. I'm like measuring it out exactly of like, okay, because they will need the spacing, everything like that. And then I look over to Natalie's half. And I have something in mind of what I want. What I think it should look like. And it doesn't look like that. It's not how I think it should be. And I'm just sort of looking and I guess something had like came across my face because she noticed, and I'm like looking at her, and she says, "What? Well, uh, what if we just move it a little bit more over here, and maybe you need to dig your hole like another like inch and a half?" And okay, uh, but but no, no, I'm not going to take it from you. Okay, you do you, you do you. It's, it's okay, it's okay. I'm scooping. I'm not scooping. I'm looking, and I'm like, uh. then I come up. Maybe, maybe actually, just like move the plant like a li- like an inch and a half this way because we want like triangles, Natalie, triangles. And so she's doing this, and I'm like, they're digging, but really not digging, just watching. She's putting the purple one where the red one should have went. And I'm looking, and then I'm like, okay, one more. And, and then I found myself, eventually, I found myself pretty much doing the whole planting. Actually, not pretty much. I was doing the whole planting. Eventually, I was like, okay, let's just put it here. And, and, and so I took it, and I'm putting it in. And, and finally, I look up, and Natalie's like gone. She's left. And what did I do? I did the take back. I took back, like, this is yours, this is mine, you do this, but when it didn't look like how I thought it should, it didn't necessarily have the exact plan that I had in my mind, I was like, uh, and I took back, I took that back uh, from her, and uh, it showed a couple things to me. One, that I'm strangely, very strangely um, particular about plants. That's very weird. Um, but the other thing that it highlighted to me is something that, that we can do with God that actually creates a compartmentalized life. That 
that we can actually create a compartmentalized life where we can give stuff to God, but then do what I did with the plants and the take back. And that it's like, God, you can have this. Well, uh, I'm just going to take that back. I'm just going to take that back. And, and what is the take back? The take back is this. The take back is worry. That worry really is the take back. Have you ever had that before? Where it's like you're going through something and you're like, okay, I know like, I, I, I know 1 Peter 5, 7 where it's like, cast all my cares on you. So like you, you okay, God, I give you my cares, right? I'm, I give it to you. Here, you can have them. You're half of the bed. And, and then after a little bit, it's like, you pray, you give them to God. You say, okay, God, I give you my cares. I, I, I need help with this. You know, I'm challenged. I'm cha- there's a challenge or I'm struggling with this. God, I give it to you. Maybe even like tears and emotional. It's like, okay, I got it. You've got it. You've got me. Yeah, thank you, God, for having it. In Jesus' name, amen. And you, you give it to God. But then maybe things don't necessarily look like how you thought they'd look like. Or maybe... It's taking, not, it's taking a little longer than you thought it would. And then what happens, or maybe you pray that night, and you're like, God, I give this to you. And then you lay down, and then when finally things are quiet, when the busyness of life has stopped, and what happens? Your mind just starts going. The take back. And worry starts to come. What if worry comes in the take back? What if that very situation that you gave to God, worry actually then takes it back? It takes it back, that care from God. So instead of him carrying it, now your mind is carrying it. The situation you you gave to God is right back in your hands. Because what if? What if this doesn't happen? What if God doesn't come through? Or how will this work out? Or what if this person texts me back this? Okay, then would I text them back this? What if then they texted me back this? How would I respond to this person? And then they're probably going to post on Facebook. I don't know. But worry really is the take back. It's, it's you give the situation to God, but then worry says, actually, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back. And not only does it steal that care back from God, it also steals your time, your energy, your focus. Have you ever had worry steal your sleep? That is so annoying. Laying there, looking at the tiles. If you have popcorn ceiling, you're like trying to find shapes in the popcorn right? But you're thinking about that situation and worry. It steals your peace. You know, but I've never met anybody who's like, Josiah, worry is such a good idea. Like, oh, you got a problem? Man, just worry more. You can do it. Just worry more. You know, I, whether it's someone who, who is a Jesus follower or someone who is yet to be a Jesus follower, I've never met anybody who says, worry more, right? That wouldn't be, that you would not get many likes, right, on a post like that. Worry more. But if we know, if you know and I know, worry is not good, why do we worry? 
why do we worry? Like, why do I, why do I worry about things right after, sometimes right after I give them to God? Why, why is that? I think this. I think we worry because of control. That we worry because of control. Because worry, I think, provides a false sense of control. A counterfeit control. That instead of just releasing it to God, worry actually takes it back so it's like you got the basketball again and you're just bouncing it. It is still in your hands. You're not moving up the court. You're not going for anything, but you still have it. It's a false sense of control. Uh, A feeling worry produces a false sense of control, uh, but worry doesn't change anything. It doesn't help the situation. Worry is the take back. You know, in the Bible, there's this man, his name's Abram, and him and his wife, Sarai, they, they want kids. They want kids, uh, and uh, they're, they're older. Um, they're, they're in their seven, he's like 75. They still haven't had kids. And they're like, I, we want kids. And then God comes to Abram and he says, hey, you are going to be a father of many nations. Then he says, hey man, check this out. Come outside of your tent, look up at the stars, Count them. That's how many kids you're going to have. You're going to be a father of many nations. So God gives him a promise. He says, you're going to have kids. And so then, right then and there, he's got a promise from God. It's been get, now God's taken that. He he's, has it, and he's like, hey, we've got a promise from God. But then some time passes. Some months, nothing. Some years, nothing. And I could see how slowly in his mind, him and his wife start picking up, what if God doesn't come through? Like, I can see like his wife look at him and be like, you're not getting any younger, right? You're, you're old. I could, I could see what if, what, what would happen? What, how would we do this? And then, I can see that worry then after worrying and worrying and worrying, then that false sense of control. Uh, Sarah, uh, Sarah says, hey, I've got a servant. Why don't you marry her and then have a kid with her? And that's maybe how God is going to deliver his, uh, his promise to us. Right? That's how you're going to deliver the promise. It's in uh, Genesis 16, 1. It says, So Sarah and, uh, and Abram's wife had bore him no children, and he had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah and A- uh, Abram, now uh, behold, the Lord had prevented me from bearing children's, uh, ple- again, perception right there, but please uh, go in to my maid. Uh, perhaps I will obtain children through her. So she, then I can see from worry, then she says, oh, maybe this is how it will happen. I can see worrying, sitting in the tent, counting how many stripes are on the tent, and then, oh, this is maybe how we can have, have children. We're going to have it through here. So Abram listened uh, to the voice of Sarah, and Abram had lived... Uh, 10 years in the land of Cana, Abram's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maidservant, and gave him to her husband. Weird stuff. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw, Sarah saw that she had conceived, her, her mistress was displeased in her sight. So they had a son named Ishmael, um, who was actually a counterfeit of God's promise. 
that worry actually produced an action that was produced a counterfeit result from God's promise. Uh, worry, the take back, I believe actually produces a counterfeit of what God's best is. Now later, Sarah, uh, Sarai, whose name would be changed into Sarah, actually conceived and had a son and had a son. But have you ever had times where you've worried about something and you've been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and then all your worrying then produces you to like, okay, I'm going to do something about it now. And whenever worry causes you to do something, I think that's the counterfeit of what God's best is. Because that worry is producing something in your life rather than God's promises and God's peace producing something in your life. Uh, when we act out of worry, I think we produce a false counterfeit uh, and have a false control of that situation. You know, as Christians, we have the opportunity to do life with Jesus to cast our cares on him because he does care for us. You know, God who is really in control, the Bible says that he knows the hairs on your head. Uh, he knows that, but it's also just a beautiful poetic expression of he cares so much that he knows that, right? He would take the time to count the hairs on your head. He knows your days. He knows the plans that he has for your life. And we can pray, give things over to him, because God really is in control. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the one who's really in control. However, at times, to be, to be real, it can be uncomfortable when you give things over to God. When you give real situations over to God. So, uh, when having to trust Him. At times, it can feel uncomfortable. And in those times, I think our brain can start to try and do the take back. Do the worry, right? Um, even then produce a false feeling of control, and then from that even a, a, a counterfeit action like, like Ishmael. You know, worrying has never changed any situation for anybody. You know, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 25. Uh, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Uh, they do not plant or harvest or store food in the barns. It's true. I have a bird feeder. They just clean that out in like, I don't know, an hour. Um, look at the birds. They don't do any of that. Um, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't uh, you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all the worries add a single moment to your life? Another transi translation says, can worry add anything to your height? Right? Uh, can it add anything? Right? Worry, of course, worry doesn't add anything to us. It doesn't help. If anything, the only thing worry does, it, it produces a false sense of control and then it can also produce a counterfeit action that's counterfeit to what God has and compartmentalizes your life and saying, God, actually, I'm going to take that back. You can have all that good stuff over there. You can have Sunday morning, but this, this situation... I'm going to take back. Now, Jesus goes on. He says um, in verse 28, 
And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Uh, They do not work or make their clothing, yet Solomon on all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers uh, that are here today and thrown out tomorrow, Calgary summers, and into the fire, he will certainly care for you. Uh, Why do you have such little faith? So here's his conclusion. So do not worry about these things, saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things are uh, dominant, uh, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, uh, and live righteously, and, you will, and he will give you everything you need. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own worries, Today's trouble is enough for today. So Jesus, it's beautiful there of how much it shows God cares for you. He loves you. And he's saying, hey, don't worry, because I got you. I got you. And the word worry there, um, actually in the Greek, everywhere where the word worry in the New Testament is this Greek word. It's, uh, uh, it is uh, merimna. Merimna is the word in the Greek. And what that means uh, is to separate from the whole divide and fracture a person into parts. So that's the Greek word that's used for worry. So that when you are actually worrying, you're dividing yourself and fracturing yourself. You could even say you are compartmentalizing yourself. Of God, I give you everything, but then worry fractures and compartmentalizes, but not this area. So Jesus is saying, hey, Don't worry. Instead, come to me. Come do life with me. Don't worry because I've got you. I want the fullness of who you are, the good, the bad, and the not so nice. I want all of that, and then I'm going to take that and change you. Worry takes back. It's the take back. It fractures. It divides your life. It compartmentalizes your life It will rob you from peace, time, energy, focus, sleep. It's a stealer. It robs you of resting in who Jesus is, what he's done, and where he can produce those false counterfeit results. It can produce like an Ishmael in your life. You know, Jesus, he's come to give you life and life more abundantly. John 10.10 says, The thief doesn't come except to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I think one of the ways he does that is through worry, to destroy your life. But I've come that you'd have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come to bring wholeness to your life, to bring wholeness to your life so that, you, so that we don't have to fracture our lives with worry, but that we can have rest and peace in him so that we can be whole in him. You know, Jesus invites you today. Here's what he says. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you real, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon, uh, upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden uh, I give you is light. You know, if you're in a challenging situation or, or a, a thing that you're just worrying about, today I want to encourage you, you can trust in God. That you can give that to him because he cares for you. If you're walking through a challenge right now, I want to encourage you that he is with you. He is for you. 
that he's been here before the beginning of time, and he'll be here when time has ended. He knows the beginning from the end, and he knows what's good for you. He gave his son, and he will not hold anything back from you today. He loves you so much. Isaiah 41, 10, it says this. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You Today, you can be strong and courageous because he is with you. What do you do, though, when worry tries to come in? When worry tries to come back, when you've given it to God, but then your mind starts going. Have you ever tried just thinking about not worrying? Thinking about not thinking? It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It's like, okay, I'm going to think not to think, and it just keeps going. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not, fle- are not of flesh, but divinely powered from, uh, for the destruction of forces. We are destroying uh, specta- speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, we fight those thoughts actually with uh, spiritual weapons, and that is uh, the word of God. You know, Jesus is actually the word. He's come to bring peace and wholeness. So you fight brokenness by worry with the wholeness, which is the word, which is the word. Not just thinking not to think bad thoughts, but actually fighting it with the word. Um, Kenneth Hagin used to do this is where he would, he would actually have people count in their head and then say a random word out. And if, you're tr- if we were to try that right now as a group activity, what would happen is that if you're counting and you say something, what happens is your counting actually stops in your head because you're saying something. The same way is when you're worrying in your head, rather than just thinking, oh, I shouldn't be worrying, I shouldn't be worrying, actually declare what God has said, that God is for you, that God is working behind the scenes, that you can trust in him. And not only that, but it will actually then as well build your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that you can trust in him today. And then if you realize, hey, I've done the take back again, like I've done it again, I took it back, I took those plants back from you, Natalie. Um, if you've done it, right then and there, it's just as easy as not feeling bad, but just saying, hey, God, I'm giving this back to you. And then remind yourself, declare what God is doing, who he is, his character, his word, and then faith will come. Today, I want to encourage you that God loves you. He's for you. He is in control. That when you give things to him, he can handle it. He's in control Uh, Don't allow those false counterfeit controls of worry to take back. You can give it to him and trust him. We have the opportunity today to give to him. Would you stand with me? In 2 Corinthians, again, it says this. It says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking to you as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. You know, God has got good plans for your life, for you to have freedom, wholeness, 
to not be fractured by worry in your life. That you can actually rest in him because he loves you. He's given his son, and if he's given his best his son, he will not hold anything back. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment of privacy for those around you? If you're here today and you, you've, been, you've got some worries that you've been worrying about, some situations, and you're just, in your mind, it's worrying, worrying. First, I want to tell you, God's not beating you up about worrying. You shouldn't beat yourself up about worrying. But instead, I want to give you an opportunity right now to just give that to Him. Say, God, I give you this situation. You can just say that right now. You can just raise your hands, whatever. And we're just going to pray together. Father, where, where, where there's worry, where we're worrying about a situation, a challenge, a relationship. Father, where there's worry about whether it's finances, whether it's, it's worry about a, a, a doctor's report. Father, this morning, we actively cast that care on you. God, we surrender that care to you, Father. And Father, we know that you care for us. So Father, we right now, we give the situations, the challenges. And Father, we thank you for peace coming right now. That you give peace where worry has broke, brought brokenness and fractures. Father, I thank you that you bring rest this morning. Father, I thank you where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. So I thank you for freedom in people's lives, peace. And this morning, God, we say we trust you. We trust you. We acknowledge you are in control. You are the author, the finisher. You're Alpha, you're Omega. So we trust you, God. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that in those times where worry comes and where our brain starts to try and do the take back, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just remind us to just cast that care right back on you because you care for us. In Jesus' name.